You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAFighting.com. I'm Mike Heck. Hope you're having a wonderful week. A lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts, as always, especially over the next few days, because Bellator is back in action tonight at Mohegan Sun. Chris Cyborg versus Arlene Blanco is the main event for that card for the women's 145-pound title. That's going to air on the CBS Sports Network. Patricky Pitbull versus Jaleel Willis, the co-main event. That's a hell of a fight right there. And then, of course, the UFC is back with UFC Fight Island 6. Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie is the main event for that card on Saturday night. That fight is just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. This is years and years in the making. So we're going to talk about that event a little bit more on the program. We'll also talk UFC Fight Island 5, what an event that turned out to be. And, as a matter of fact, the star of that event will join us on the program to kick things off this week. But Corey Sanhagen, also outstanding in the main event. He knocks out Mara Morais in the second round. And in the end, he gave his old buddy, Aljamain Sterling, his title shot officially against Piotr Jan. That fight is being targeted as the co-main event for UFC 256 on December 12th. Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports was the first to report that information. Sanhagen versus Dillashaw. That's what Corey wants. Love that idea. From the Sandman, he also asked for maybe Frankie Edgar, but I think him and Dillashaw, that is a banger. That is the fight to make, and we'll see if that happens. But in the meantime, there's so much to talk about, but let's just get to this lineup because there's a lot happening this week. Definitely different from last week because we didn't lose power, didn't have to go to my mother-in-law's in her kitchen to record the open. We got a loaded show. Here's the lineup. We're going to wrap things up with the always energetic, always positive, but this time... A bit agitated, Brandon Moreno, one of the top flyweight contenders in the UFC. He has now had to watch Cody Garbrandt, a bantamweight, moving down to 125. And now Alex Perez take title shots away from him. Of course, he was supposed to originally fight Alex Perez on November 21st. These are title shots he felt that he rightfully deserved. And now after all the shuffling of the deck, one title opportunity... For one fighter to another opportunity for another fighter against Davis and Figueredo, Brandon Moreno is now going to fight the surging Brandon Royval on November 21st at UFC 255. Some Brandon on Brandon action. Alex Kaylee is excited for that. I'm excited for that fight. And even Brandon Moreno is excited for that fight, even though he feels a little mistreated. If I think that's a fair word, but we'll check in with the assassin baby to wrap things up on the program. James Krause is back in action on Saturday. Takes on Claudio Silva on less than two weeks' notice in Abu Dhabi. Hell of a road to get to this fight for James Krause, which you'll hear a little bit later on. I spoke with James this past Friday while he was quarantining in Las Vegas before he headed off to Abu Dhabi. The James Krause joins us a little bit later on. Tracy Cortez is now 2-0 in the UFC. She defeated Stephanie Egger this past Saturday night at UFC Fight Island 5. A dominant decision win for the Arizona native. She will join the program for the first time. Aaron Pico returns to the Bellator cage on November 12th. He's going to take on John DeJesus at Bellator 252. John DeJesus, that name might sound familiar to you, and that's because 
Kama Worthy, one of your favorite guests of the year, has talked about John multiple times on the show. He is a training partner of Kama Worthy, over 20 pro fights, really scrappy guy from Pittsburgh, looking to slow down the momentum of Aaron Pico, who looked just ridiculous in his last fight against Solo Hatley Jr. We'll talk to the Jackson Wink blue chip standout Aaron Pico in around 15 or 20 minutes. But first, let's check in with the man of the hour, the man of the week. He delivered one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history this past Saturday night. He put away Impa Kasanganai. This guy's whole world has changed since Saturday night. He's been doing tons of media. So we were very happy to get a few minutes with him on Zoom call. And I'm still trying to figure out that darn thing because it always changes when I record it, the setup and the layout. But you'll see what I mean. Joaquin Buckley kicks us off right now on What the Heck. All right, we're being joined by the star of UFC Fight Island 5, the man who delivered the front runner for knockout of the year in 2020, and many believe came through with the greatest knockout in UFC history. Happy to be joined by Joaquin Buckley after feeding Impa Kasanganai this past Saturday in Abu Dhabi. Joaquin, how are you, man? Man, I'm feeling good. Uh, just feeling good about the whole experience, man. Just going to ride this ride, you know what I mean, until the next fight comes. I was going to say, like, what has life been like over these last few days? Like, Saturday night, that knockout goes viral, went viral very quickly. You flew home back to the States. What has it been like since the the kick heard around the world landed? Man, I've been getting sleep. <laughs> so I've been in the <laughs> house, man. I ain't, so there ain't much to change yet, man. I ain't really left the house yet. Uh, but, you know, social media-wise, man, my, my my followers have went up, man. My content has went up uh, tremendously. And, um, you know, it's actually messing my phone up man every time i get on it man it freezes up because it don't know how to act with everybody following and commenting and liking everything at the same time <laughs> are you enjoying uh like all this extra attention that that comes with a knock like that because i mean compared to where you were say like five or six days ago i mean this like you said your right, phone's right. breaking it's, it's crazy you know, most of um yeah i was only at like 2500 um instagram followers uh on my uh yeah, instagram and for that to just blow up to like 67,000 people within two or three days, man, that, that's, that's crazy, you know? Um, so, man, it's, it's something to get used to. It's something to get used to for sure. I got to be careful what I post now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any, like, unbelievable DMs, crazy celebrities reaching out to you, congratulating, anything like that? I, I, I haven't really checked my DMs yet. You know, they full of messages, though, but I haven't checked there you go. I'll have to check back in with you on that. And I know when uh, you were asked about it after the fight, people said it was like a ninja style kick. That's what they said on the broadcast. But you said it was a Wakanda style kind of kick. But do you have an right. official name for the kick yet? Like Anthony Pettis had the Showtime kick. What is yours called? Do you have a name for it yet? No, I don't have a name for it, man. It's actually a traditional, um, just a spinning, uh, spinning, not wheel kick, uh, spinning back kick, whatever. And uh, I would just doing it like an acrobatic by jumping in the air with it, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, Emperor had my foot, so I was able to balance uh, with his hand and uh, get that kick off. But, you know, it's just an old traditional um, Taekwondo kick man, that I was practicing on the heavy bag for the longest time, but I finally got to actually use it in the fight. Crazy. I know you're a little biased here, but do you think that this is the greatest knockout in UFC history? I mean, it's definitely the knockout of the year in the UFC, but do you think this is this is the best <laughs> of all time? I, I, I give myself knockout of the year, but my, my favorite knockout of all time is Dan uh, Henderson, man. You know what I'm saying? The Hendo H-bomb, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Over uh, Bisbee. That's always going to be the most devastating, most vicious knockout to me. 
Yeah. I mean, you're in the conversation though. And that's, that's pretty darn cool to be put, you know, in the same conversation as those guys. And, you know, it's funny because I've been thinking about this since Saturday, as great of a moment as that was for you, is there a part of you that wishes that you landed that kick on anybody else in the world? Because Impica Saginai is like the nicest fighter on the roster. Facts, bro. That's actually the best question for real. Like, Impa is probably, like, one of the, the best guys ever, man. I wish we didn't have to get in the cage with one another uh, because he just seems like another brother to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean, like, a black guy, just a, a whole other brother that I never met before. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, he's just that kind and uh, just so welcoming. Even us about to get in a fight, like, he's just so welcoming the whole time. He introduced me to his father, to his team. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he just gave me words of encouragement towards my fight, towards him. You know what I mean? So, you know, just an incredible guy. I wish the guy that I was supposed to fight would have stayed in there. That, that would have been perfect to do that kick against him. Uh, what, what was the bigger thing that happened to you, in your opinion, in, in your career? Was it the knockout itself? Because, yeah, that's everywhere. Tens of millions of people have seen it and reacted to it. Your social media has exploded. Or just simply getting your hand raised in the UFC for the first time because the knockout's going to live forever. But the win builds confidence. What's more important to you personally? Both. <laughs> that's what that's what I want, man. I want knockouts. And I want, you know what I'm saying? My hand raised. So, you know, I don't want to just get my hand raised any type of way. Uh, never by the judges. I'd rather, I'd just rather call it a draw. You know what I mean? If it go to the judges. Um, so, you know, I, I want knockouts and I want, you know, finishes. So I think the finish was uh, a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Because if I would have just got my hand raised, this, this whole, I wouldn't be sp- speaking with you right now. You know, I wouldn't be speaking with nobody right now. So if I would just got my hand raised, it just would have been another moment. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true. I probably would have talked to you. I probably would have talked to you anyways. Let's be honest. Like, probably. <laughs> if you go back, if you go back through my work, you you would see that I probably would have asked to talk to you anyways. But still, right. this is I mean, this is still very cool. Probably more eyeballs will be on it. I'll be honest with you there. But it cause like most people heading into this fight with Impa were like, yeah, Joaquin's an exciting guy. He throws bombs. It's aesthetically pleasing. But you come in as this two-to-one underdog. I mean, do you look at the odds? Do you listen to the noise at all? Or, I mean, do you, do you try to find these chips on your shoulders heading into the fight? Or is everything I, still the I same to I don't try to, to find them, but when you go on social media and you read up on everything, you, you, uh, you're going to see it. Uh, but I don't try to let it affect me uh, whatsoever. You know what I mean? I just go out there and just, just try to prove it wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I can do. I know my, I know my talents and I know my gifts. So, you know, when I go out there, I know I'm, I'm a difficult person to handle at the end of the day. You had the short notice debut with Kevin Holland and obviously the fight didn't go your way and you had your moments in that fight for sure. Mm -hmm. But in the end, you got finished for only the second time in your career. Mm -hmm. What what did you, what did you take away from, from that fight, that experience sharing the octagon with with Kevin Holland? Uh, It's going to sound weird, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. So with that Kevin Holland fight, you know, um, I give that all to God. You know what I mean? It was just Kevin Holland's time to win. It was just his moment. You know what I mean? He was on a, uh, what is it, a three-fight win streak, four-fight win streak or something like that. He was, you know, he was on a tear. You know, it was just his moment at the time. But I know I'm a way more skillful fighter than Kevin Holland. And I was able to, like I said, I told people, I didn't have no coach with me at the time. I was by myself the whole time. I was scrambling to do, like, USADA stuff. I was scrambling to do paperwork for him and to get things done. And for me to go out there and still put on a performance the way I did, on a week's notice, right after getting out of another fight, you know what I mean? You got to kind of put that into play. So if I have a full camp and I'm just focused on Kevin Holland, how y'all think that fight going to go, you know? 
I'm definitely willing to see Kevin Holland again, though. You know, but that day was his day. You know. I spoke with Kevin before, like a couple of days before he fought Darren Stewart, and he told me that he, he took a lot of things personally heading in that fight. He told me there were some things that were said in the build to the fight that really rubbed him the wrong way, so much so that he wouldn't even tell me what they were. But was it a personal <laughs> fight for you? Like, did you nah, have a problem with that? Kevin? At all. I, I think it's just the, the way I speak. I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess he just didn't like the way that I, that I talk, you know what I mean? But it was nothing personal. If he took it personal, that's fine. Um, like I said, though, but that was his moment, you know what I mean? And I'm not looking uh, down on it, you know what I'm saying? It happened for a reason, and, you know, and then now my moment is here. And then guess what? Epa's moment is going to come pretty soon, you know, and I already know it. So it's all God's victories, and, and God also give us our losses, and that's uh, for our learning. That's uh, the lessons that he gives us, you know, through life. I don't know if you saw the interview I did with Kevin, but he was on, it, it was actually taking place when he was on the shuttle going to the UFC apex so he could do his media day. So he had to wear a, a, like one of the COVID masks on his face. The image was a shadowy image of him punching you in the face. Oh, for real? That's dope. See, so, see, see, <laughs> yeah, I was I like, think, what I is think, that? <laughs> I think it's lit, man. He's going to forever be able to say that, man. He knocked Joaquin Buckley out. But it's another guy that, that out there that knocked me out in uh, the first round named Jackie Goss, you know, and it took me four years to get my revenge. So, you know, Kevin Holly, you know, just keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. We'll see each other. We both young, man. We young in the sport, man. I'm 26, he's 27. We got time. You can meet up in the top five someday, right? Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> going, going back to the knockout and, you know, what it could lead to and what it has led to. I mean, when you have a moment like that, and we've seen it so many times before in the UFC, there's sort of this like extra pressure placed upon you to like live up to that or do something even more spectacular for your next fight. So you want to be exciting and you want to get these finishes as often as possible, but how do you avoid that kind of pressure moving forward? Because obviously I'm not a fighter, but how do you make sure you don't get caught up in that? Uh, there is no pressure, man. It's just, just go out there and, and do what I did last time with Emperor. Like that wasn't planned. That wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, choreographed, you know what I mean? To go out there and do a spinning heel kick, you know what I'm saying? Towards his face. Like I didn't plan for it. It was just natural. It just, it just flows. So I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. And then hopefully I get another one, you know, if I'm blessed. What did it feel like when that foot hit his face? Like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to throw that at anybody in my entire life. So I got to live a little bit vicariously through you. Like, what did that, what did that feel like? It felt like my foot hit his face. That's my, that's my <laughs> thing, for real. But I didn't, I, I wasn't able to see the reaction of him until I was able to turn all the way around, you know, to see, you know, that I knocked him out. Um, because at first I knew I had hit him. So I knew I hit him hard enough to at least knock him down, if not knock him out. So when I turned around, I was going to rush him, you know, to finish the job. But once I seen his body lock up and stuffed up, I knew that was game over. It was no need for any uh, unnecessary punishment, you know. When would you like to to get back in there? Because, I mean, the wave of momentum is is massive right now. When would you like to get back in there and do it again? Uh, probably November or December. That'd be nice. Um, but, you know, got to talk to the team, got to talk to the, the managers and everything just to, just to see how everything lines up. And then we'll see. I want to get in there uh, before the end of the year, though, for sure. Is there anybody that sticks out to you now that you've had, like, a few days to reflect on what you've been able to accomplish? <laughs> My homeboy told me uh, if Jane Krause wins this fight, man, I might need to uh, fight him since he uh, had some things to say on Instagram. So <laughs> He did? What did he say? 
Uh, it was in the DMs. It was in the DMs. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna keep it in the DMs. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? So Jane, Jane Krause know what I'm talking about. You know, so if he wins his fight, that'd be a good fight for me right there. All right, I'll have Krause bump back up to 185 and and do this all over. Hey, again. Get, like hey, hey people will you go to 70? My whole career was at 170. Yeah. I'm only I'm three. No, no. Well, yeah, I'm three and one at middleweight. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm nine and two at a welterweight. So my whole career, I hadn't had at 170. You know what I mean? I just had a lot of success at middleweight thus far, so I just kept fighting it. But yeah, I definitely love to fight at a welterweight or middleweight. However he wants to do it, I'd be fine with it. But, you know, he said I didn't have no name and all this other, you know, stuff like that. Hey, but I'm here now. <laughs> now you got a name. <laughs> Is there anything outside of the performance, the win, the forever addition to highlight reels that you're taking away from this trip to Abu Dhabi? I mean, it's a very unique circumstance to be able to travel. I mean, the UFC has their own freaking island to host these events, to make things happen in such a chaotic year. You know, this is going to be a tough thing to top, you know, in the future for the UFC. Is there anything else besides the performance that, that you're going to take away from that experience? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know. Bro. I, to take anything away from it, man, it's just like just to be honored and blessed to be having given the opportunity to be there. You know what I'm saying? And just go through that whole experience with the UFC, with Fight Island, with the crazy knockout. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, it's going to be crazy just to even top that. But, you know, what I just took in front of I'm just blessed. I'm just a blessed individual, man. You know, that's what I take from it. There you go. Last thing before we let you take a well-deserved breather, man, since I'm sure your schedule has been absolutely insane. You get to play fan for a little while and watch these next couple of events. Next weekend, Habib Nurmagomedov is fighting Justin Gaethje for the UFC lightweight title. What a fight that's going to be. Uh, Last event in Abu Dhabi before they head back home. Who gets it done? How do you see this one playing out? <laughs> I, I see Justin Gaethje, man. I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje, bro. You, you can never, you know, count out Habib, man, the undefeated fighter, you know what I'm saying, uh, the humble fighter. But I think Justin Gaethje has the tools to beat um, Habib. Uh, but, hey, only one way to find out, man. <laughs> Great stuff from Joaquin Buckley right there. He didn't have a name necessarily on Saturday night. He's got one now in James Krause if he wins this weekend. And oddly enough, James Krause will be joining us a little bit later on. He knew nothing about this. And to be honest, when I talked to James, I knew nothing about this because the knockout hadn't even happened yet. But I like the idea. I like it a lot. But man, what a difference a weekend makes for a fighter. Just unbelievable what has transpired for Joaquin Buckley since Saturday night. So let's move ahead to Aaron Pico. He is back in action on November 12th, Bellator 252 at Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Here's my chat with the blue chipper, 145-pound prospect, Aaron Pico. All right, Aaron Pico back on the show. He'll be back in the Bellator cage November 12th. He's going to take on John DeJesus at Bellator 242. Aaron, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing good, Mike. How's everything? Everything's great, man. Should be uh, an exciting matchup on November 12th, and uh, we'll get into that in a moment. But your last fight against Solo Hatley Jr. at Bellator 242, this was the performance everyone seemed to be waiting for from you, man. You took him down, you beat him up, you submitted him quickly. It was the first submission win of your career. Did it feel any different compared to all the highlight reel knockouts? Was it a little more you know, self-serving for yourself that finally got that submission win? Yeah, it was, it was a good win for me and, and for my team. But at the end of the day, I just went out there and did my job. That was the most important thing. Just go out there and win. Uh, I'm not really putting like 
too much pressure on myself that I have to put, I have to go in there and put this spectacular knockout. At the end of the day, the most important thing is for me to win. And that's something that I've, uh, my coaches and I have um, really like put in my head that just slow, slow, slow things down and, and uh, get, get the win. Of course, I'm always going to be exciting. That's just kind of, uh, in wrestling, I've always been exciting and boxing and stuff. So I'll always be exciting, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be uh, looking for any way that I can win and, and go home with no scratches on my face is, is a good night. So that's ultimately what was the most important thing. I got the win in two minutes and I got to go home and not a trip to the hospital or, or waking up or, you know what I mean? Uh, it was, it was a good night. We've seen like the, the KO power Aaron Pico, the old crap highlight reel over Twitter Aaron Pico finishes, but I feel like that performance over all the other ones open up more eyes than any of them. And I think you put a lot of people in your division on notice. I know that's not necessarily your overall concern, but do, do you feel the same way? Do you feel like you opened up some eyes this time I, around? I think so. I think even like with my losses and things like that, the, the division still knows that I'm a, I'm a big, big threat. And, uh, I've just grown as a martial artist, um, as a person, um, the time that I've been here in New Mexico, I, the thing is, I just need time to, to, to become, to become a good, a good fighter. And I'm really, really growing, growing as a person, uh, in, in the gym and ultimately inside the cage. But I, I, I think, I think the people that are, that are in the division know that I, I can, I can beat all those guys. I can, I really, I definitely can beat all of them. And especially the things that I'm learning now with coach Greg and, and then the coaches at JW, I'm, I, I'll fight anybody in the world. So uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. But yeah, the, definitely the, 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 the weight class is on notice for sure. Is it fair to say that this is the most, I don't know if, I don't know if confident is the right word because you have a ton of confidence in your team and in your coaches with, with everything that you're saying, but Maybe comfortable is a better word. Like, is this the most comfortable you've been in your career to this point with the ups and the downs and now the way back up? It seems to look a little bit different. Yeah, I, I really am. I, I am comfortable. I still keep that little bit of a nervousness like um, inside of me because that's good. I, I'm very I, I think the biggest thing for me now is is Coach Greg calls it. It's a calm intensity. That's what I, I have in me right now. I'm calm, but I'm still gonna be, I'm still gonna have my intensity. Um, I just don't think it before the, the, just things weren't in order um, like they are now. Now I have a really good uh, communication with the coaches and uh, we have a clear path to what we wanna do and how we wanna grow as martial artists. And I, I'm just at a good place mentally. I'm at a good place in my life. And I'm excited to go in there in, in the cage and, and fight. And when you have that um, calmness and everything just seems to be flowing, it makes it makes it a lot. I shouldn't say easier because that's not the word, but it makes it a lot more um, at ease going into the cage. Everything you know, you're, you're everything just seems to be flowing well. So a little more free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not good with my words sometimes, but I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a pretty powerful feeling, man, because I mean, coming in and the pressures you had to deal with early on in your career, not that you necessarily shied away from those pressures, but still, I mean, yeah. you have to feel those at some point. And now, yeah, you got some pressure still upon you. Your name still holds a lot of value, but you know, it's a, it's a little bit different feeling than it was than say like the Zach Freeman fight and moving on from that. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. I mean, that those, 
for me, it's just freeing knowing that I trust everything that my coaches say. Like I, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind going into into a fight. If they, I'm just throwing in, using an example. If they say throw a spinning heel kick. I'll throw it. Anything that they have for me, and and I trust them with with um, their commands. I think it's it's good. And I just everything just seems to be flowing well for me. My manager Ali, I, I feel very very confident with him, and um, my coaches. Um, I said, I feel very free. I'm at a good place in my life right now. I really am. What have these last couple months been like before you got word about this matchup? Because it will be, be about a four-month stretch between fights. You'll be able to get three in in 2020, which is crazy during a, a chaotic year. What have these last couple months been like for you? They've been good, honestly. I, I, for me, I'm always in the gym training. Uh, right after my last fight, it was you know I took a little bit of time off, a couple of weeks. Um, we just bought a house, so I was busy doing that getting settled in but I, for the most part i'm just i'm always in the gym that's i don't really do much with my life other than ride my horse and and and, and train i really want to be good as, as a fighter and there's not really much time for play time for me i'm not that i'm not at that stage of my life right now i'm really really trying to become one of the greatest fighters that walks this planet and that requires a lot of time in the gym so that's pretty much where that's all my time is in the gym, home training, or home uh, relaxing with my horses and back at the gym, sleeping, doing it all over again. I, my life is uh, not really anything uh, spectacular other than just training and horses. I have to ask because our producer, Casey Lydon, who would normally be on this call, but he's doing a, a different show right now, shared some photos with me. You guys were rolling on the mats a little bit a couple months ago at, uh, uh -huh. at JW. It looked like he looked like he got hit by a truck in a couple of those photos, but uh, you got to roll with Casey. How was, uh, how was Casey on the mats? Did he give you fits? Did he give you that quality work that you needed? No, that's cool. So you are you do this with uh, Casey? Oh, yeah. I, didn't know, I, I didn't know that, but uh, yeah, we had so much fun. Honestly, he came down to Albuquerque. We went on some hikes. He rode my horse, actually, uh, him and Esther. So it was fun. But yeah, we got to, we got to roll. And uh, he, I, he was uh, really pushing the pace. We had some good. We we were doing uh, we were doing five minute. We did I think we did like five five minute rounds. So he he hung in there and and it was good. But overall, we had a great great time in Albuquerque. They're they're great people. So I can't wait for them to come back to Albuquerque. We really enjoyed ourselves. But that's awesome. I didn't know that you guys did this together. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell him I said hello. Hi, Casey. I will. <laughs> yeah. He's he says hello too, and he says he can't wait to ride horses with you again. Maybe at the end by the end of the year. But uh. You know, you need that work sometimes with a guy like Casey as you prepare to face John DeJesus, who's been in the game for a little while now. Very scrappy guy out of Pittsburgh, trains and works with Kama Worthy over at the academy out there. Tough guy. He's won his last three fights. Did you know much about John when, when the matchup was offered to you? Um, no, I honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know much about him, but I definitely know a lot about him now. I've watched all kinds of video on him. All my coaches have been studying him uh, to the T. So, yeah, very, very tough opponent. Um, and we're excited. I'm very excited to fight guys like this because, uh, you know, he does a lot of flying stuff and, you know, flying knees and crazy stuff. And, uh, that's something that I want to see in the cage, but yeah, he's very, very tough. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know of him before, but I've watched so much tape on him. I've studied everything about him. So I'm excited to go in there and fight. I'm re I really, really am, um, to push the pace on him. I don't think that he's ever fought a guy that can has a gas tank like me that has wrestling like me that has power um 
and ultimately has the coaching that I do. Um, I, he, he probably has good coaches back then, but he doesn't have coaches like me. So we're ready to fight. I really am. So you go from Daniel Carey to Solo Hatley Jr., both pretty game up-and-comers. They are both 10-fight vets when you stepped in there, and now Bellator matches you up with the veteran over over 20 fights, a grinder, like you said, very exciting on the feet. And personally, I followed John a little bit. I think this matchmaking is absolutely perfect. I feel like this is a really good next step for you. I mean, do yeah. you agree with that? Like, through your watching of the footage and everything, do you, can you draw that conclusion that this is, like, a really good next step for you? Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean – at the end of the day, like I fought like Lee Morrison, that was 19 and eight when I was early on in my career. I fought like Leandro Higo. I fought very, very tough. I fought, uh, Borgs. I fought, so I fought all my whole, my whole career. I fought guys on winning records with winning records. And I nearly didn't have the knowledge that I have now. I think he's a very, you know, it's a good, good, uh, matchup for me, but I, I honestly, every fight that I go into, I feel it's a world championship fight because there is, there's a, there's all the pressure is on me. And there's really not much pressure on him. So every single fight, I uh, I don't look at it as like, oh, well, uh, you know, it's a good step up. No, this is this is this is legit fight. This is something that, that you know that is I don't take lightly. I take very very serious. So um, I'm really excited to go in there and, and, and uh, share the share the cage with him because he's a very very good striker and it's something I hope he throws flying stuff I hope he throws uh, spinning stuff I really really do I'm excited for that because uh, I've been working on all kinds of great things with my coaches on, on that stuff my ground game is good my um, my composure has gotten a lot better um, you're not going to see me in those firefights and trying to you know swing for the fences you're going to see a very calculated calculated calm intensity Aaron Pico and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna do everything that I possibly can to just chew his body up kick his legs take him down elbow him in the eyes I'm gonna make it very very dirty and I don't think that he's ever seen anything like that I'm gonna make it a very very dirty fight I don't think he's gonna be able to even breathe after the first round honestly Speaking of title fights, there is a title fight on this card. Uh, Patricio Pitbull is going to fight Pedro Carvalho. It's one of the Grand Prix fights. The title will be on the line. And I know you're taking a very patient approach to your career, but, you know, you want to get that gold raptor on your waist at some point. Is there a part of you that's going to be motivated by the fact that there's going to be a title fight in your division headlining this card? Yeah, it's it's exciting. I think I'm excited for the matchup. I I think they're gonna put on a great fight. Both of them are very strong strong competitors. But at the end of the day, there's a tournament that's still as going on. So there's not really much for me, um, you know, for me to fight. I'm not gonna be fighting for a title any anytime soon, for obvious reasons of the tournament. So I think that fight is just gonna be me after my fight in the hotel. It's gonna be a great fight to watch, just uh, as a fan. So I'm excited for it. But yeah, it's. Uh, Anytime you get to see high-level guys fight, um, it's a good thing. But for me, I, the tournament's wrapped up. So with, uh, the belt is wrapped up in the tournament. So, I mean, there's not really much for me to say other than it's, it's going to be a fun, interesting fight. So I know you've been watching a lot of tape on DeJesus. And I remember our last conversation, you're such a student of the game. You just you train, yeah. you watch fights, you train, you watch fights. Like you enjoy just picking pieces yeah. of, of, of other people's games and being like, ooh, that was pretty badass. Like, I like that. Like, is there any fight? Or, or two that you've watched over the last month that you're like, ooh, this is this is a good one. I'm gonna take some of these things for for myself here. Um, mm, what did I just? I no, not really. I watch honestly. I watch a lot of fights. A lot, you know. I just 
one fight I always watch a lot is like McConnor and uh, and Habib. Uh, I watch a lot of Usman, Valentina. I, I watch all kinds of stuff, uh, but there's not really one. As of right now, I kind of like I'm not watching as much film as I would like to. I've watched a lot of like a couple weeks just because I want to just focus on my skill set right now and not put in my head like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And GSP does this. I need to focus on myself and create my style after the fight. I'm watching Don, John De Jesus. I watch him a lot. I just just because I, I got I got to prepare for him and I want to see every what his corners calling out um, what he throws when he's going back or when he gets stuff like that but as of um, fighters I'm not really watching all too much right now just because I really want to focus on on my style actually I'm watching a lot of boxing right now just because I, I love boxing so I was watching Manny Manny Pacquiao all, all yesterday so not too much MMA right now just boxing there you go did you watch uh, a JW legend Carlos Condit get back in the win column a couple weeks ago that was pretty exciting uh, right I'm very happy for Carlos and, and coach Gibson because uh you know we trained a lot in his garage and and it was just awesome to see Carlos get back on the on the win the the winning track it was a good it was a good night for coach Gibson and, and Carlos so um, I'm very very happy for him he's he's a, he's an awesome awesome guy I've rolled with him a few um, a few times it's kind of weird because every time I see him I'm like man that's Carlos Conde he's like been in wars with like some legends in the game you know he's a yeah I, I respect him he's a he's a, a samurai for sure <laughs> you've talked about you know, having in this career in MMA and being the student of the game and giving it everything you got. And I mean, you just turned 24 years old. So, I mean, you have a long way to go, but like when you're done fighting, have you thought about like what you want to do? Like, it seems like you may have thought about it at some point, but I mean, you're, you're, you're smack dab in the middle of your fighting career, but you have all, I mean, you, there's horses, you have all these things that you, that you're interested in. You're kind of an introvert at the same time, but is there like something else that, that sticks out? Like once your fighting career is over, like I want to go to this next thing honestly after my fight career i really want to just you know i want to be uh tequilos tacos and horses that's honestly what i really love to enjoy i love uh i would want to start a taco a taco business of some sort because i honestly truly truly love tacos something that i eat every single day i uh i love tequila i would love somehow some way to start a a little tequila business and and I want to start my breeding program with my horses. That's why I really want to breed uh, Spanish horses. Those are those are things that I'm very uh, passionate about. I love the culture of the horses and and tequila and tacos and good music. I like that. And I want to I want to be surrounded by you know good horses and uh, have kids and just enjoy life. I, I've been you know I've been wrestling since I've been four years old and it's been nonstop. So by the, hopefully I have a long healthy career and. I want to enjoy life after that and and um, do things that that make me happy and that's horses and and we'll see. But the most important thing for me is to is that you know none of that is really I mean it's still possible but being a world champion in MMA uh, is a gateway to lead to to those uh, to have a bigger name to to meet people in those industries and ultimately you know work together. So the most important thing for me is to be world champion. That's 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 the most that's the priority right now. Be world champion and, and most of all, defend it many times, as many times as I can, I can, um, my body will handle. What's the underrated taco topping that like everybody should have and, and doesn't necessarily use? Yeah. I, I, well, it all depends on like what type of taco, but honestly, um, 
I just go with salsa. It's going to sound kind of funny, but I put sour cream on mine. I just started doing that. But it depends on where you get your tacos from. Like if you're, you know, you're like in Mexico, you just, you know, salsa, you're good. But I honestly, I love tacos. Like I, the tacos beer make me very, very happy. So I, I want to start later down the road, a little taco stand. Shit, I'll start with a little taco trailer, you know, and go from there. But yeah, that's something that's very, that makes me happy. I love, taco. I love tacos, man. My kid loves tacos. Taco Tuesday. I think you post yeah. something on Instagram. It's Taco Tuesday every day in your house. So yeah, uh, I really <laughs> I eat them every single day. It's like people ask, like, like that's the staple in my diet is tacos. So my girlfriend is like constantly making tortillas and tacos every day. So hopefully one day we can make a little restaurant and kill it with the tacos there you go I, I i know you fight for bellator but you are part of the same management team as as habib as justin gaethje and of course they're fighting next weekend who do you like in that fight or at least like what are you looking for when these two throw down next weekend if you don't want to make a pick and i would understand why but you know what i mean like what are you looking yeah. for in that fight well i think i mean i think that's the obvious is if Habib Habib needs to get him down and, and Justin needs to keep it on the feet. I love them both. I think they're they're great guys, but I really think that Habib is gonna is going to uh, overwhelm him on the ground. But I could be uh, one thing that I've I've learned is MMA is is a different beast. Anything can happen in there. You can be expected to win and you get clipped with it's a, something crazy. So it's MMA, but. Uh, if I had to pick, if I had a million dollars and I needed to pick up a person, I would pick Habib. But I'm happy for both of them. I'm, you know, they're both legends. So um, it's going to be interesting fight. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm fired up for this one. I think I think I'm looking forward to this fight more than anything else this entire year. Um, by the way, you know, you got your fight on November 12th. New new broadcasting platform for Bellator. We're on CBS Sports now. How excited yeah. are you for this new platform, the new network, and then like the potential that could come from these relationships and partnerships for for Bellator? You know, you know, they've, they've dove into the kickboxing world. Now Showtime's kind of partnering up with them in some different ways. Maybe there's some boxing opportunities down the road. Like how excited yeah. are you for for this for this new relationship here? I, I think it's very, very good for the for the sport, for for uh, Bellator um, and bigger audience. People get to eat. You know, uh, you know, boxing. That's something that I that I really, really want to do. Um, you know, during, in between fights, if I have like a month or two to just go and, and train boxing, I'd love to get a boxing fight in if if it's any way possible. I would love to do that. So yeah, the the it's great for like uh, for Bellator and things like that. But my most impo- my most important thing for me is just uh, be prepared for November twelfth and um, and just keep keep growing as a fighter but um yeah i'm excited i'm but i really want to get a boxing fight and that would be awesome if they can throw me in on a card i don't know how i i'm ali would have to you know talk to bellator but i i, I can box i definitely can box so uh, I, i'll be i'll be um i'll be asking ali if, if there's any <laughs> opportunities for me to step in the ring because i definitely would do it and that right there folks is a guy getting much more comfortable much more confident, much, I mean, he's elated, happy, thrilled where he's at with his team at Jackson Wink. Man, this could be a very scary individual over the next few years in this sport. Aaron Pico, big fight with John DeJesus coming up 
in just a few weeks time another big winner from this past saturday night in abu dhabi tracy cortez is about to join us she defeated stephanie egger did so at 135 pounds and the big question is does she stick around at bantamweight where she's found some success doesn't have to cut that extra 10 pounds or does she go back to 125 pounds where she's been multiple times in her in her career where she made a name for herself let's find out let's see where her head's at let's say hello to the fight ready standout tracy cortez all right we have tracy cortez joining us coming off her big win at ufc fight island five over the weekend against stephanie egger tracy welcome home how are you thank you i'm good i'm doing good excellent congratulations on the win you're two and oh now in the ufc first fight in nearly a year how good did it feel to just get back in that octagon have a dominant performance and get your hand raised like that it felt so good um happy i got one in this year and i'm hoping to get another one in for the year end so i mean obviously it's a pretty chaotic time around the globe 2020 has just let's be honest 2020 has sucked for a lot yeah. of people um you know in the ufc praise them they've been able to get these events going in abu dhabi trying to get the international fighters on some of the american fighters as well what did you think of the whole fight island experience um it i'm happy i could say i did it would I want to do it again? Probably not. It was, it was long. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of my fights have been out of town or out of the country, and I'm kind of really excited to fight home for once. Hopefully yeah, we <laughs> get you in Vegas. No more, no more Abu Dhabi. Yes. Hopefully because it's the traveling and, you know, for my coaches and it's hard on all of us. So I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm grateful that I, I even got to fight and got to get the whole experience in. But it would be nice, you know, to have it here home in my backyard. Yeah, get you back to the Apex, like the Contender Series fights. Yes, yes. I wouldn't mind that. What was, like, the most difficult part of the trip? I mean, obviously, you getting your coaches over, all of that stuff, the business side of it, you know, I, I understand that. But in terms of just... Going across the world, long flights, trying to acclimate to the time change. Like, what was the most difficult part for you? I would say the time change, just because the traveling wasn't that hard. They got us comfortable, you know, like the little cubbies where we can lay down. And it was really nice. The travel part was nice. It wasn't, it wasn't hard at all. It was a time change where I really had to sleep all day and be, try to be awake all night, which here it was an elapsed. For me personally, it was an 11 hour time difference, 11, 11 and a half. And um, it was hard because it's hard to sleep when it's broad daylight. So trying to sleep when the sun's hitting you and even the blinds, like you can still see the sun through. And I think that was just the hardest part and having to wake up and it be pitch black and there's nothing to do besides train, lay in your couch and train. Like that would probably be the hardest part for me. When you got to the ho when you got back to the hotel after the fight on Saturday, I mean, we've been seeing these videos of the hotel staff throwing these like little mini celebrations. Did you get anything like that when you got back? I did. You know, that's something I could think was personally for me was the most amazing experience. The staff was beyond amazing. Everybody was so sweet. Everybody was so kind. They treated you so well. Um, I was walking in. And I wasn't expecting any of it. I had like my my uh, like some snacks in a brown bag, and I'm walking in and just hear everyone cheering. I'm like, "What are they cheering for?" And they're like, "Tracy." I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, 
wow, like they're really cheering for me, you know? And it was just so sweet. And they threw confetti and it was the cutest thing ever. I'm like, I've never been celebrated like that after a win. You know, it's normally like just friends already drunk and like, shots. <laughs> so having like that little celebration, it was cute. It was really cute. Nice little additional touch to, to yeah. make the trip even more worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. So so you were originally supposed to fight Bea Malecki on this card before she was forced out of the matchup, and then you get Stephanie Egger. And one of the things I found so interesting about your post-fight scrum with the media is that you didn't find out that she was a black belt until in jiu-jitsu until the fight was actually happening, like between rounds. Is that true? No, no, no. So uh, they misunderstood me. I, I should have I been more clear. Not in between rounds. It was... Um, the end of the fight. I oh, okay. Coach, they were congratulating me. They're like, hey, a black belt. You know, she, you know, she was a black belt. She couldn't tap you. I was like, wait, what? She's a black belt? It's like, coach. Uh, and he goes, he knew uh, towards the end, toward, you know, when we were outside and doing media. And he, I was like, you should have told me. He goes, no, that's not something you had to worry about. And I know what you're capable of, which is true, you know. And I love that he has that confidence in me. In hindsight, you prefer that he did that, or do you wish he told you now thinking about it a few days later? Um, no, I trust my coach 100%. So whatever he chooses to do, I respect, and I completely trust because he sees a certain side of potential in me that I probably don't see in myself. And, um, you know, he, I think he knows me very well, and he was probably doing it because I tend to, like, overthink and question things and overanalyze things. And he just doesn't want that stress on me. So that must've been a huge confidence boost for you at the end of the fight oh, before they announced sure. you as the winner, right? Yeah, for sure. So when they told me, I was like, Oh, oh my God, you know, cause I, I didn't feel threatened not once on the ground. So it was, it was really a big confidence, you know, booster for me. Do you feel in a way that, that beating Stephanie because of her experience fighting around the globe, she does have some good wins under her belt, that it was a little more impactful for you than beating Bea would have been? Um, you know, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. They're both, you know, amazing, um, great opponents for me, I think. But, yeah, you know, Stephanie having more of, that record behind her and more of like uh, experience. I think for me personally, I didn't see myself as a, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, not, I saw myself more as like a newcomer, but my coach told me like, Hey, you're nine and one. What am I, wait, what am I? Nine and one, eight and one. I don't even know no more. And he goes, you're an ex like, you're experienced now. You're no longer like, like, the, you know, it, it was just a little confidence booster for me. There you go. I mean, with everything going on with, with COVID-19, you said during your, your pre-fight media day that you were doing whatever you could to stay in shape. You were doing what you so eloquently called prison workouts. Yeah. And I know you have some examples on your Instagram if people want to check those out. But for those who you know, are a little bit older like myself that are necessarily on Instagram that often, you know, <laughs> I guess paint us a word picture, if you would, about what prison workouts actually are. Yeah, you know, I just grabbed some dumbbells, jump ropes. Uh, I grabbed tape, and I did ladder drills. I just taped a ladder, uh, like boxes on my on my sidewalk, and I was doing ladder drills, and I was doing burpees and jumpy jacks and jumping rope and uh, dumbbell workouts. 
anything I could get my hands on, really, I was doing a lot of pull-ups, like my own body weight things, uh, running. Oh, my God, I ran so much. I, I was a cardio machine. I went from running three miles to five miles, and I'm running six miles every other day. Next thing you know, I ran like 10 miles, and I just I kept going. And I was like, oh, my God. It was a lot. I was running a lot. And uh, personally, I don't enjoy running, but this whole quarantine made me really, like, I had no choice. I, I enjoyed it because it was the only thing I could do. I've, I've been the same way. I'm not a big running fan. I've gotten into it more, but I think the main reason why is because I created, like, such a fire playlist on my yeah. On my speakers, so I'm like, all right, now I don't mind it as much because I'm just I'm just jamming the entire time. How important is that? No, you know what's funny? I don't play. Everyone's like, share your playlist, share your playlist. I don't play anything crazy. I my running playlist is R&B music, like slow jams, R&B, just slow tempo music. Because if I listen to anything fast or just upbeat. I start sprinting and I'm like, ah, <laughs> so I have to listen to something that calms me down and just re reminds me like, okay, take it slow. You're jogging, you know, you're jogging 10 miles. You're not sprinting it. So like newer yeah. stuff or older stuff? Uh, a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the best song? What's the best one you get on there? Right now? Uh, I would have to say surrender by Janaco. It's just, I don't know, that's my song right now. I've been jamming out to it when I run. So. Yeah, I got some I got some old school R&B on mine, too. I have, like, Al B. Shore on mine. He's, like, from oh my the ladies. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, what else you got on there? What, what do you I, got from, like, my, from, like, 80s, 90s on there? Um, I have Keith Sweat. I have nice. um, Voice to Men. Uh, what's a good one? Um... I don't know. I just have a bunch of different music. I've been, listening to, I've been, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of newer R and B than the old ones, but yeah. So w one thing I wanted to touch on is because you, like you said it in the lead up to the fight, was essentially like you're fighting at 135 and you're you're cool with that for now, but eventually you want to go back down to 125 at some point. Why is that? Because you seem like you're doing just fine at 35, and dare I say. Getting into the top 15 at 135, a little bit easier than it is at 125, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I feel like I have a better chance at 125. At flyweight, that's just where I feel strong. That's where I feel faster. Uh, these girls aren't that big. I, I'm a small 35er. You know, I, I have, like, I'm well aware of it. A lot of the girls that I've been fighting at 135, or the last two, I should say, they're just bigger opponents. They're longer. Uh, and... I, I, I don't go in there hesitant, but I go in there just very cautious. Um, and at 125, I'm just a lot more confident, a lot more confident. So, so you think your next fight it, will be a 25? It's definitely more competitive at 125. Flyweight is going to be stacked, but I, I know, I know I, I belong at least, you know, and I have to prove myself, but I know personally what I, I feel that I belong at least top 10 right now at flyweight. All right. Yeah. Cause I, would I, just, I just need to get back down to flyweight. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you think your next fight's going to be a 25 or do you think maybe another one at 30, just depending on if it's this year or next year, maybe? Yeah. You know, I'm not too sure yet this year. Uh, I've talked to my manager. We were talking about it on the way back home. Um, we weren't stressing about it yet, 
But if I were to do 25 in December, I would get on it now. Uh, but that just really depends on, you know, if they could book me a fight, which I'm pretty sure they can. <laughs> it just, I guess it's just all up to me. I don't know. I'm being indecisive. Do I, do I want to live that good life? Fight at 35 or really start getting on it and fighting at 25? So. Because I, I think I, I haven't decided yet. I think you're a win away from the top 15 at 135. I think you're like number eight. I'd put you like 18, 19. I think if you fought, yeah, I think if you fought like a a one. I think if you fought like a someone else at 135. Like I have a suggestion. Like I thought immediately you should fight like someone like Julia Avila at 135 because she's ranked number 15. If you yeah. beat her, you're automatically in the top 15. It's gonna get a little bit tougher to go back down. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I just, I also know that my, my coach, he, uh, he's, he's big on me going back down to 125. Yeah. He thinks, you know, that's just, but like the girls are just so, I mean, I feel strong. Don't get me wrong. I feel really strong at 135. I'm, I'm in there and I feel like I'm, as of right now, I'm dominating. I feel like, uh, but it's not, I'm not comfortable. You know, I just, there's just so much more bigger. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, look at my last opponent. She was, I mean, you saw the size difference. She, yeah. she was just a lot more bigger than me, a lot more lankier. Um, I do think I was faster than her. That's why she couldn't really touch me much. But at 125, I think I'll just be a lot, you know, I, I'll be my best self. That's my true weight, I believe. There you go. I'm not trying to convince you to stay at 35 or anything like that. I'm just no, you're I'm curious about the mindset of a fighter. Did you go back and watch like the rest of the card after your little celebratory staff no, party? No, didn't. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I did. We did you did. see the knockout? I did see that knock. No, actually, I was traveling from the arena back to the hotel when they were when when that happened. But I saw the the replays. Oh, it was dirty. That was <laughs> without a doubt just. Pure athleticism, amazing athlete right there. Hand, you know, hats off to him. That was beautiful. That was so cool. I wish that was me. Do you think it's a good? Do you think it was the greatest knockout of all time in UFC, sure. in UFC history? Yeah? yeah, for sure. Without that a doubt, that, that was a that was that's bonus every fight part. <laughs> Even though he's not on it, he deserves a bonus every fight. <laughs> You that should get so like four bonuses, right? Yes, a hundred percent. That was that was a good uh, that was a good show. He put on a great performance. Absolutely. So I have been asking a lot of fighters this question because it's it's happening next weekend in Abu Dhabi. Habib versus Justin Gaethje. I mean, that is like a fans' paradise right there. It's going to be all sorts of crazy. You got undefeated Habib. A lot of people feel that Gaethje just might be chaotic enough to be the one in twenty eight and one. What is your take on that fight? Who do you think gets it done? Um, personally, I think Gagey has it. Gagey's an A an AZ. He's from Arizona. So I, you know, I got to support my locals. Uh, no, but I do think Gagey has what it takes to, to give him that one loss. He's, <sighs> I don't think uh, Kobe could take him down. His wrestling's amazing. They're both amazing wrestlers. So they're going to have to stand up and just, I don't know, go at it. It's gonna be a good fight. I'm so excited for that fight. I really am. It's a good one. Oh, it's, it's gonna a be a really good, good fight. 
Yeah. And there's a big one at 125 in that car too. Lauren Murphy versus Cynthia Calvillo. That could determine maybe the next title challenger for Valentina Shevchenko if she defeats Jennifer Maya. So a lot going on. Yeah, on there's a card. lot going on in that card. I personally know Cynthia. I don't know Murphy that much. Um, she was here in Arizona. She was training uh, in Glendale at the lab. And uh, she's a really sweet girl. I don't know her, but I mean, I hope, you know, I wish them both the best. And Fireddy's building themselves quite a team over there right now. I mean, some there were some like I, I know there are some labbers that that jumped ship, but you know they were getting quite a reputation before that happened, and now especially after Saturday and your win, the reputation is getting bigger. We're starting to uh, starting to leak over the cup a little bit in, in yeah. terms of the conversation. Some of the best gyms in the country. Well, that's you know that's nice just because Fireddy, my gym. There's so much amazing potential there. Honestly, there's. I mean, every everyone there, they're not just gamers. They're high-level, like, they're high-level athletes. Like, they're – I am where I am because of them. And I'm so grateful for my team because I don't think they get enough credit. They might not be in the UFC. They're in other organizations. But they're just great partners. They're great uh, fighters. They're great people. And we all get along. It's like a family there in – it's nice to see that Fireddy, my team, or my gym, my home gym is finally getting some kind of recognition. Even my head coach, I have an amazing coach, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I that's head coach of the year for me, Santino. He's he's an amazing coach. He doesn't get enough credit, and uh, he's 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 just an amazing coach. I can't say I can't say it enough. So how does it feel to be 2-0 and in the UFC right now? Do you feel like you're a lot more comfortable now, a little more freeing? I mean, the first one's always big, but once you go back and get the second one, even after an 11-month span, it's got to be a little bit of a different feeling, right? Uh, I'm, it, it is. I'm Honestly, I'm not satisfied. I want to go back in there again, and I want to I wanna compete again this year. That win for me is just, it's just like, okay, I pass this step on to the next one. Like I, it's it's hard for me to celebrate because even though I should enjoy it, I should enjoy the victory. I worked hard on it, but I I want to move up in the rankings. Did anybody so stick want- out to you for your one twenty five debut in the UFC? Um, no one right now. I ain't got no one in my eye. Whoever they put in front of me, I'll just you know whoever they put in front of me, I'll fight. You're gonna go for that Buckley knockout in your twenty five debut? Oh, for sure. That's what I like to hear. Sure. Right <laughs> I'm definitely gonna uh, showcase my hands a little bit more once I hit one uh, that flyweight division. You know, it's you just it's, I, <laughs> these girls are just so big. Up. <laughs> They're so big at 35. Of like, you feel their power. And, uh, I feel their strength. So that's why I'm just like, dude, I gotta wear them, break them down, wear them down before we stand up because these girls are strong. So. Well, it seems like 25 I'm, I'm is your home. I'm going to flyway DB soon. Okay. <laughs> well, we are looking forward to that, Tracy. Congratulations on another impressive performance. I know you're not like, you're you're celebrating, but you're not overly thrilled. You think you can do yeah. better? I mean, your fighters are the worst critics on yourselves that I've ever seen in the history of sports, but uh, that's what makes you all so great. So thank you for the time. I appreciate it very much and looking forward to seeing the next fight, whether it's at 35 or 25. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Big win for Tracy Cortez, did so against a short notice opponent. There's a lot of excitement surrounding her, so look forward to seeing her continue to progress even further in this sport. And speaking of short notice, James Krause is no stranger to short notice. He steps in to face Claudio Silva this Saturday, less than two weeks notice since he put pen to paper. We recorded this chat on Friday of last week while he was still in Las Vegas doing the quarantine thing. It's been, uh, it's been quite the journey to get to Fight Island. Here he is, the James Krause. All right, we have the James Krause joining us right now, proving once again that if there's a short notice fight that needs filling, he is the guy to call. Luckily, he gets a little more time to prepare for this one than his last fight. He takes on Claudio Silva on Fight Island, October 17th. James, how are you, man? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. So this came together very quickly. Claudio was set to fight Muslim Salikov. How did you get inserted into this conversation? Well, it's kind of a weird, uh, it's kind of a weird deal. The, act, the fight was actually initial, initially offered to me, and I accepted it. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why they they uh, they pulled the fight for me and said they would they would uh, not in a bad way, but they they said they would they wanted to put me stateside instead. And uh, so they they gave it to somebody else. That guy fell out, and they offered it to me again, uh, like three four weeks ago or something like that, and. Uh, I, I said no. I didn't want you know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it on that short of notice because I didn't have a camp. And then anyway, uh, I thought I would get a, another fight, you know, a, a different fight on a on a later card because I initially the fight was set to be a little earlier, I believe. And uh, long story short, uh, they ended up offering it again, and I was just like, screw it, let's just let's just take it because if I don't fight right now on the island, I won't fight again for the rest of the year. I have I have too many people booked. Like I have like five guys in the UFC in November. I have me against title fight in December. And then I have probably another four or five guys that aren't booked at the moment. So, uh, you know, those guys will recycle through and fight fourth quarter as well. So I'll, I'll be busy at the fourth quarter and I just won't, I won't have time to do a camp or anything like that. So why not? I'm always in shape. I train every day. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Yeah. I was curious about that because, you know, you and I have spoken many times in the past. And one of the things we talked about is, it was after the last fight in Brazil, you were like, I don't really want to travel internationally anymore because of, you know, additional expenses, taxes and all that stuff. So it seems mm -hmm. that you just kind of felt like if I'm going to fight this year, it doesn't matter where it's going to be. I have to take this opportunity. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, but the, the taxes are not it's not the same. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the it is not the, the same. There's no double tax or anything like that. So cool. um, but yeah, it, it's basically it came down. The deciding factor for me was like, hey, if you don't take this fight, you won't fight again for the rest of the year. And and there's I mean, we have 12 guys in my gym right now. So there's no sign to me that that's going to slow up anytime soon. You know what I mean? So it almost is better for me to take something short notice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the gym every day anyway. So, so, you know, why not? How's the weight right now? Cause I know, you know, cutting the last fight you were at 185, So it was a little bit easier to get there. You still had to do it on a day's notice. So it was probably a little bit stressful, but you know, what's the weight at right now? How much you have to yeah. cut to, to get to that mark? Uh, I, I don't, I'm in quarantine right now, so I don't have a scale, but before I left, I was waking up at like one, uh, 187, 188. So I'm good. I mean, I've done, I've done way, way worse cuts You know what I mean? <laughs> when I was fighting, when I was fighting at 55, that was a normal cut for me. So, 
So I, I want to switch gears briefly because, you know, your team, like you said, they've been competing quite a bit as of late. Of course, you're coach and owner of Gloria May and Fitness. And I want to go back to one of your fighters that has been, in my opinion, one of the big stories of 2020, Kevin Kroom. Like what a night that was for him, for Grant Dawson and for yourself. Like he makes his UFC debut yeah. on, I'll call it Krauss-like notice. He gets a first round yeah. submission. And then there's this moment when I spoke with him after the fight that he described, it kind of gave me goosebumps. Goosebumps. He said, after he finished Roosevelt Roberts, he told me, let me just pull this up. He said, quote, I just mean mug James like there was nobody else in the room. It was just the killers effing mean mugging each other. You two had this moment, James, when the fight ended. What was that night like for you seeing him come from where he's come from in his career to having a moment like that, that that probably changed his entire life? So... Uh, the backstory to that is, is there, there was about like, there was, so we got, we took the fight against Caceres about a month before that. And then he tested positive for COVID. And then like literally almost every week leading up to that, there was another opportunity, another opportunity. And it just, for whatever reason, it would fall apart, you know, and every single fight that was offered to us, that was a potential. I really liked for Kevin. And then, you know, you draw row rows of animal, man. He's tough, you know? So, and out of our weight class on a day's notice. So it's like, dude, well, we have to take it. You know what I mean to, to get him in, but uh, one of my one of the the things that I love as being a coach is like there's there's two things that come to mind. Is is one is uh, just watching somebody accomplish a lifetime of dedication, you know, to a craft, and and fulfilling that 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 dream or uh, these guys sacrifice a lot. You know what I mean? They sacrifice so much to, 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 they don't sacrifice it to be able to do it. They sacrifice it for the possibility to be able to do it. You know what I mean? Like the possibility, it's not even a sure thing. And so to see somebody dedicate uh, an adult lifehood to a craft and then that, that craft finally pay off for them is just so rewarding for me. But the thing that really does it for me is like, I get to see the raw, real, uncut, like there's no, that, that feeling that he's talking about. Um, I, I feel like in that feeling, it, 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 it's, it's, I'm going to sound stupid when I say this, uh, you know, in the, the Batman movie where the Joker saying like right before death, you know, like, uh, you see the real person, like, so in a sense, I know your friends better than, than you do. And it's, and it's true. Like I've seen those moments, the un, un, uh, uncut raw, unedited version of right after that moment, uh, that his entire dedication, adult, uh, an adult lifehood to his craft has paid off. Like nobody else has shared that with him. You know what I mean? Not his parents, not his girlfriend, not the, not anybody. There's a connection there where I see inside of his feelings and emotions and not just him, anybody, right? Like, and it's, it's such an amazing fulfilling, uh, an emotion to have when you see such a good guy, you know, his whole life, the, the cards have been stacked against him. And, uh, it's awesome to see that finally pay off for, for a dude like him. And, and like I said, like, I feel like I know him better than anybody. You, you probably, I mean, you've had so many moments like that in your career with seeing your fighters yeah. go through that, but was this like the most memorable moment of your coaching career or does something else stick out to you? I gotta say, uh, it's up there. It, it, it you know, I, I love each each one of my fighters, and and uh, when I look at like my top moments, I don't look at it as like I don't rank them right here. I rank them as like top moments per fighter, 
and obviously that's my, my favorite with Kevin Kroon, but like the emotions that we had just that month, not even just the month, but like the way he came to me, you know, he started his, his pro professional career at five and five, you know what I mean? Like he's a 500 fighter. And, and at some point he comes to me and, and he's from Missouri. He's from my area. He left to go to a big gym and, uh, it, it didn't give him what he was looking for. And he came back and it was like a, a thing. And I, and I just did a, a, another interview and I feel like we're kind of getting known for this, but it's like, Hey man, like if your stuff is broke, come see us and, and we'll help you out. You know, we'll get you, we'll get you, we'll get you fixed right up. And he came almost like lost to us. And, uh, he really, uh, he was one of the veterans in the room that believed in our, in our culture and in our program early. And, uh, and he really bought all the way into it, which in turn, helped you know down the down the ladder but uh man it, it, just watching him turn his entire career around we've had a lot of ups and downs and then th that that last month where it was just such a roller coaster you know what i mean like you're in you're out you're in you're out he got signed and cut in 24 hours and then i'm almost literally each week after that there's another opportunity where he's possibly getting signed we're ready to take it you call us we're ready 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 have a bag packed you know we're, we're ready to be, head to the airport now nope sorry we didn't get it and then finally we get it and then we draw Roe Roberts and it's like, oh gosh, dang it. You know what I mean? And then for him to go out and do, do you know, do what he does and uh, gosh, it's just such a, uh, it, to answer your question. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my, one of my top moments as a, as a, as a coach and as a friend, it definitely, uh, it's definitely up there. So another name I want to bring up part of this, this month long roller coaster for you guys was Jeff Molina because he gets on the contender series, earns himself a contract, but he did so without any of his corners. Like he didn't even know yeah. until the day before he was going to fight Golly. that there were a bunch of positive COVID tests. So like he had nobody except he ended up linking up with some people out in Vegas. But how proud were you to watch him overcome everything and, and put on a hell of a fight the way he did to get a contract like that? Well, I'm glad it happened to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's not everybody, not everybody can handle that. And, and the way that that kid handled uh, that roller coaster of emotion, you know, he's a gangster, you know, absolute gangster to be able to handle that. And it, it didn't shake him 1%, not even a little bit. It didn't shake him at all. The way he handled that was like a true veteran. You thought this dude had 50 fights under his belt. Um, complete G about it. Didn't bother him at all. He is ready to roll. He trusts in the, in the, he trusts in the process. He trusts in the program. He's got confidence in his team and he knows that it's not about the final moments of that. It's about the, the lead up, you know, what we've done the last years, not the last day, you know, it, it doesn't matter that I'm there. It helps me being there, but that's not what's important. You know, he's got confidence in what we've done, getting him to that point. So were you part of the list of, of, of folks that got COVID or? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it, man, I've been dealing with that. Uh, uh, I've been dealing with that a ton. <laughs> I don't even know if I should, I should say this, but I've been dealing with a ton of like positive uh, positive and negative tests. Like I would go one week and I would test positive and then I would test uh, negative again. So it's like, and I got, you know, obviously I got sent home for the, for that whole week. That was a terrible week, but it's just been a weird, it's been a weird deal, but you know, I'm past it now. So that's, that's good. There you go. And, uh, you know, Factory X, your, your other home, they've been making some moves as well. Brandon Royval gets a big win. Yeah. Oh, he's got a big fight coming up with Brandon Moreno. Nice to see Luigi Vendermini get a nice win a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, momentum is a real thing in this sport. Do you, I mean, you've been doing this for so long. You have like triple digit fights in your career. Like, do you, 
Do you take any momentum from those performances for yourself at this stage in the game? Yeah. Do you use it as motivation? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes and no. I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's 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 great to watch your teammates win and stuff like that, but all that really doesn't matter when you get in there and punches start flying. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, uh, it's fun to watch these guys compete and it's fun to watch the, the young kids have success and, you know, and, and do well. And, and, uh, obviously it's like, if you surround yourself with winners, you know, you, you get, you get amped up, but like, you know, when you get in there, it doesn't really, it's cool to the lead up. It's great to the lead up, but whenever, uh, you know, whenever you're in there, it doesn't matter. So Claudio Silva is the man you'll be sharing the octagon with. And this is a guy who hasn't lost a fight in almost 13 years. He lost his first pro fight and he hasn't lost since. He's 5-0 in yeah. the UFC. He's got a win over Leon Edwards on his resume. This is uh, quite the risky proposition, but it's something that seems to be right up your alley, is it not? Yeah, I mean, bro, he beat Leon seven years ago. So, like, like you know what I mean? Like, uh, this... Uh, and that's it. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's obviously very good. He's very skilled. Uh, I, 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 you know, he's, he's, his age is starting to get up there, and I'm not saying that's going to be a factor, but I'm not saying it's not either. Uh, you know, I've, I'll watch his fight with uh, Danny Roberts. He's got holes in his game, man. This dude's not some unbeatable guy going out and smoking everybody. You know what I mean? And I, I, I feel like I'm a very difficult guy to, to prep for. Like, you can't, can't just bring some random six-foot guy to come in and be me. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of guys that you can grow, go grab to emulate my style and, and how I move, move the, the constant stance switching. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm very well-rounded. I just don't think I'm a guy that you can just bring in and in a couple weeks and, and get a good look or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you have to be very, very selective to even get a close look at what I'm bringing to the table. And, uh, I've been doing this long enough, man. I really don't give a shit who's across from me. So you like this one? Yeah. If I didn't, I wouldn't take it. I mean, I, 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 I really feel like, I mean, his striking, I feel like it's very similar to Sergio Marias fight. Great on the ground. He's going to be looking to take me down. If he gets me down and gets on top of me, I said this before on the Marias fight, there could be problems, you know? And, uh, it's my job to not let that happen. Uh, or, or to get back up. You know what I mean? Like, dude, like, like I said, it's, it's, it's very clear cut on, I'm probably going to try to keep this fight standing or be on top. He's probably going to try to, to get me down. And it, you know, but I feel like I'm a, far superior striker than him. Um, and I feel like I can grapple with him. You know, I grapple with Sergio Marais. He's a four-time world champion. I, I had no problem on the ground with him at all. You know what I mean? I was underneath him and side mount. He didn't do anything to me. I got on top of him and I mean, it's not like I was out of place, you know, at, at all. I can, I can, I can grapple well. And, uh, I know Claudio's got a different style of grappling. He's very good. He's very dangerous. You know, he's got good power, uh, aggressive, I just feel like I match up well with him. You know, I'm hard to hit. Uh, I'm, I think I'm a difficult style to prep for. You've been over to Fight Island already. You've experienced the bubble, the quarantine, et cetera. Do you feel like that gives you a little bit of an advantage having gone through it already where Claudio has not gone through anything like this? Like, do you think that helps you at all? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I, you know, I'm not sure. Uh maybe just because I know the schedule. Well, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I feel like we've seen a lot of like kind of saturated performances from everybody there is because the sleep is so difficult. I feel like I kind of have a good gauge on how to handle that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure when we get in there, you know what I mean? When you get there, like, <laughs> it's cool to say all this, that it matters in the lead up. 
You know, but like when you get in there, man, nobody gives a damn about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like punches are flying. I don't care. You know, that that stuff, that all goes out the window whenever you start getting in there. So, man, I'm just expecting the best Claudio Silva to show up. I don't really, I don't give a shit what his sleep schedule is like. I don't give a shit what his lead up. You know what I mean? It don't matter to me, man. It's, yeah, all that stuff. If somebody breaks into your house, if somebody breaks into your house at 2 a.m., are you going to be like, oh, man, I didn't get enough sleep? No, you're going to go fight. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just what it is. It's a good way to look at it. How did, like, how did you acclimate to the time, and how do you plan on acclimating the time? Because I know some fighters look at it differently. Yeah, I'm going to stay on the – I'll stay on the U.S. schedule, so I'll sleep, you know, just like the U.S. time. So how do you see this all going down, James? This is a sneaky fight at 170 pounds. Yeah. I like this one. It's uh, got an outstanding main event. This one, you know – gets right in there and mixes in very yeah. well with that fight. How do you get this thing done? Uh, yeah, man, I, I think, uh, I don't know. There, I see it playing out a bunch of different ways. I feel like this, and this is the thing that, that I feel like I have an advantage is I feel like I have way, more ways to win this fight than he does. I feel like in order for him to win this fight, he needs to get me down. And I'm not saying, listen, man, I know the game is unforgiving. I know I'm not saying I can't get knocked out. I'm not saying I just feel like the the best shot he has to beat me is to get me down, and I and I feel like I can win in multiple multiple different ways. And uh, you know, I, I could I could see uh, I could see me clipping him early. He's been rocked a couple different times. Uh, I could see uh, you know decision. I could see a close fight. I don't know, man. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna see what his game's gonna be. I know he's gonna try to take me down, but I just feel like I'm a little too crafty for. Form, you know what I mean? Like I, I find ways to win, bro. You know what I mean? Like I, I've made a living off that. I, I, I have the ability to adjust and adapt in fights. And I don't think he has that ability. And uh, I just think that I, I can play different roles and different different styles in this fight to keep him guessing. I have good feet. Uh, I just think that you know I'm gonna exploit some weaknesses in his game. And uh, obviously that's why we fight. I'm sure he's gonna disagree. He says he's gonna knock me out or sub me in the first round. You know what I mean? But he disagrees with what I'm saying. That's why we fight. So uh, yeah, I mean I just feel like I'm a little too crafty for him. Last thing, I know you mentioned Megan Anderson. She's got herself a big fight coming up in December. Yep. She's fighting Amanda Nunes. I believe this is the uh, the first UFC title fight for the Glory Crew. Is is that that's true, right? Uh, that's not true. Uh, oh, Tim right. fought Demetrius. Oh, Johnson. that's right. That's right. That's right. How did I forget that? Yep. But you know, how excited is she? Like, how is she handling this opportunity that's going to be here in about two months or so? Great. I mean, she's flying colors. She looks great. Camp camps. You know, it's 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 kind of a we've started camp you know she trains every day anyway but like one of the things is like you don't want to we got that fight a long time ago so you don't want to like start her in camp too early to where she gets burnt out or she gets hurt so it's like we've been she's definitely training hard obviously like we've ramped it up recently eight weeks out and then we'll ramp again uh you know as it gets closer so it's it's uh just trying to keep her uh healthy and and you know, strong. I feel, she looks great. You know, she's doing really well. Her, her, her trainings have been excellent. She's getting better every day. Uh, I'm excited for it. I know she is as well. I know you got a fight coming up, but as a coach, I mean, you, you've cornered Anthony Smith and others in, in some big fights, but to be the head coach heading into a fight against someone like Amanda Nunes. And I remember having a conversation with Mark Montoya about preparing for John Jones. And he said it was one of the coolest things he's had the chance to do as a coach, trying to figure out that unbeatable puzzle what is that like for you trying to look at someone like Amanda who has been so unstoppable for so long, one of the greatest to ever do it? What's it like from a coaching perspective to attempt to solve that puzzle that no one's been able to solve for a long time? Yeah, so obviously this is all uh, 
this is all from a, you know, just my point of view. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, denounce her accolades and, you know, what she's done. She's incredible. Uh, so I, I don't really look for, uh, she hasn't been beaten in a long time. You know what I mean? So it's really difficult to look for, like, it's hard to go back and say, Oh, look at her, look at her fight against a cat Zinganu. And you know, that's how you beat her. Cause that really is irrelevant at this point. So you gotta, you gotta try to break it down and look at small scenarios that she's lost. And I don't even mean, you know, I'm not saying she's lost rounds. I'm, I'm talking about like exchanges. I'm talking about small little plays that have happened that she's lost or something has happened where, she, you know, she doesn't seem quite there. And that's, that's usually what I look for. Um, and obviously there's, there's things that, that I have that I'm not going to really talk about too much, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, I think you got to look at l- small little plays, you know what I mean? In, in an NFL game, no matter what the score is, there's always plays that, that you lose and you got to look at what happens in those plays. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at the small little, the small little scenarios that she's lost on any scale and really try to exploit those and break those down. Just so much knowledge right there. I could pick that dude's brain about the fight game for hours and hours. Should be a fun one between the James Krause and Claudio Silva on Saturday night, UFC Fight Island 6. Of course, the main event of that card. Wow, it's just such a good fight. Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. Just for Jose Young's sake, he's so negative about this fight because every time it gets booked, it falls apart and he's been wanting this for a while. Ortega versus the Korean Zombie is equal to Marlon Marais versus Dominic Cruz. And this one is much more likely to happen. So for Jose's sake, let's 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 make this thing a reality on Saturday. And I can't wait to see it. Solid event. It's the go-home show for UFC 254, which is going down next Saturday night. Early start actually Saturday night. What am I talking about? Early start time. Early start time. I mean, it's just force of habit, right? Creature habit. Usually these pay-per-view main cards start at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not this time, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm very excited. By the time like 7 o'clock rolls around, we're going to be done. We're going to be done with everything. Post-fight show will probably be wrapped up and packed and in the books by then. So what an event that's going to be. We are going to wrap things up on this show. But we do have one more interview coming up momentarily. We will leave you with that. But first, just wanted to thank all of you for watching and listening to the show every week. 29 episodes in the books already, which is just honestly wild to think about considering how this year began and what has happened since March. It's just wild. It really is. Uh, And it's all because of you guys. Thank you very much. Of course, big thank you, as always, to Casey Lydon on the production side as well. He got some shout-outs from Aaron Pico this week. We got lots of UFC Fight Island 6 coverage going down the rest of this week. Weigh-ins Friday morning, beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be myself, Mr. Alex K. Lee, Casey, and Jose Youngs from Abu Dhabi. We'll have all the weigh-ins, some some chit-chat in between. Then we got the preview show, event coverage galore with our guy Jose Youngs in Fight Island. In other words, we got you covered. So one-stop shop, MMAfighting.com, as I wish you a heck of a week as always, ladies and gentlemen. We will leave you with my conversation with one of the best 125-pounders on planet Earth, the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno. All right, Brandon Moreno is back on the show, and he's back in action November 21st at UFC 255. He's going to take on Brandon Royval. We got some Brandon on Brandon action in the Octagon. Big fight, big event for the flyweight division. It's always great to have the Assassin Baby joining us on the show. Brandon, how are you, sir? Brother, thank you so much. Thank you so much again for the space. 
nice to talk with you. The last conversation was very funny. So we are here again. Yes, it sure was. You, uh, you're, you're a great sport. I appreciate that. I think about that conversation often. And it leads me to this conversation because we have a lot to talk about because so much has transpired since that last conversation. Yeah. As most people know, you were originally scheduled to fight Alex Perez on this card because Cody Garbrandt got the initial title shot with Davis and Figueiredo. First of all, before we get into anything else, how did you react to Cody Garbrandt getting that title shot over you or Alex Perez initially? Yeah, it was a sad moment, but I can understand the, that decision, you know, because Cody Garbrandt is a name, has, has the name, he's a former champion, he can sell more pay-per-views than me or Alex even. Uh, so I can understand that decision, but this moment is... It's different because I can't understand the decision to take Alex Perez for Alex Perez for the title. To be to be honest, I think I don't know. Just the company think he deserved the title shot. Yeah, I was gonna, and that was that was my next question because Cody's in. You're gonna fight Alex, and it's just like okay, the winner of this fight between. Brandon and Alex is going to fight the winner of Davison and Cody. There's no doubt about it. And now Cody's out. Alex is in. How did you react to that? Because now the time frame is pro- it might be much longer now with Cody wanting to come back at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2021. It seems like he might get the winner of that fight. Where does that leave you? You think? Man, I, I can't see any, any explanation about the decision of the company. You know, it's not because it's not for the ranking. It's not for the name. It's not for the followers. I don't know in Instagram or and in other social media. I, I, I can't understand that. I don't know. I mean, you put, uh, for example, in in our last um, conversation, the last interview, you say something. You know, um, he can deserve the title, and maybe you know. But I think my career is is more is more um, successful. You know, I had a lot of more fights against more tough opponents. I'm, all my fights is uh, is with uh, top ten guys. You know, even I don't know, maybe Askarov. Right now, Askarov isn't isn't the top five. You know, I think my career is more hard. And Alex Perez fought against a lot of guys out to the uh, top fifteen. I don't know. I, I feel bad. I, I mean, right now I feel my more focused. But when my manager called me and, and told me about all this stuff, all those situa- all this situation was very sad for me. I mean, actually, a lot of people uh, uh, close to me, like I don't know, for example, guys from uh, other uh, page from Instagram, for you know, ask me about what happened, you know, and hey. To be honest, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have any opportunity to say something, even. So, I mean, that that conversation, like we said at the beginning, it's one I think about a lot because you came on the show a few months ago after Figueiredo beat Joseph Benavidez, and I straight yes. up told you, I'm like, I just talked to Alex Perez an hour ago, and I said that I thought he deserved the shot. It's only fair that I say the same thing to you, and. Throughout that conversation, you stated your case for getting a title shot, and you made a pretty darn compelling argument for it, Brandon. You almost swung me in a way. But, I mean, at the same time, you're still 
on this card. You're against a surging contender in this yeah. division and Brandon Royval. At the at the end of the day, you don't have much of a choice, but are you okay with everything that's happening here? Are you fine with it now? <laughs> to be no, to be honest, but I know I need to uh, keep my mind clean because the fight against uh, Brandon Royval is very tough. It's very tough. The guy is very, very tough uh, opponent. His Brazilian jiu-jitsu is amazing. He's so brave. He doesn't care if he needs to go to the wire against the other fighter. He's just trying to win the fight. And that, that is so dangerous for me, you know, because I'm the, he, he, he doesn't have nothing to lose. He's in the number, uh, I think, six in the ranking. I am the number two. I put everything on the line for me, you know. So I need to, I, I, I need to win this fight, you know, to keep all this uh, emotion for the people because because all the people uh, knows I'm the next for the title. Just I don't, I, I think just uh, the UFC and Alex Perez thinks he deserves the fight, the fight for the title, the title shot. It's a weird time in the world, right? I mean, we're around a month away. Yes from this event happening, from this fight happening, it's like five weeks or so. Are you preparing just to fight Brandon Royval? Or in a weird way, do you have to prepare for Brandon, prepare for Alex, prepare for Davison in case something else happens and things get shifted around again? I'm fucking prepared for everything, bro. I mean, sorry, I'm a little bit, I'm starting. No, I know, man, I know. About this, I know. It'll be angry, but I'm ready. I'm ready for every for every guy. I, I'm ready for for the Brazilian for Miguel. I'm ready for for everybody. They, actually, they can go to the octagon that night, that night, and I can fight against against them in the same in the same night. That night, sorry. So a little like a gauntlet match, like you fight Brandon, and then just start calling out guys. Let's go. I'm not leaving. I'll fight. I'll fight Alex, and I'll fight for the title. Man, of course, I can stay there in the octagon, waiting for both guys, you know, and I can fight with with, with Alex or or uh, Figueroa in the same night and at the same ni- night. I like where your head's at. This would be history making, Brandon. <laughs> I'm Mexican. That's why <laughs> we we born to make history. There you go. Have you been, I mean, Brandon's a tough cat coming from LFA. You, you, you came from yes. LFA before you got your second opportunity. Have you been impressed with what he's done this far? I mean, that fight, that fight against Kai Car France was just ridiculous as, as a fan, as someone who, you know, also has to watch and break down fights as well. You must've been losing your mind watching that fight. Yes. No, I'm so, I'm so impressive. And I think the most dangerous thing about this fight is um, he's motivated, you know? He fought against Tim Elliott and beat him. He fought amazing against Kai France and beat him very well with his that guillotine. I mean, I'm the analyst, you know, in, in, in Spanish from the broadcast, uh, uh, GFC broadcast in, in Spanish. So I need to stay uh, focused in all the fighters. And of course, I'm not that kind of, of guy who says something like, um, I, I don't know the guy. No, 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 man. I know every, every fighter in the, in the roster. I know the skills of uh, Brandon Roybal, and I need to be prepared for him. 
He has a, a very awkward style on the feet, as you know, a lot of length. And despite not having the most technical abilities on the feet, he's very effective with, with what he does. Do you have to change? He's right. Yeah. Do you have to change a whole lot to get ready for someone like Brandon or is it business as usual? Yeah. Uh, Everything is, is is the same, except, you know, the game plan for Alex Perez and uh, Roybal changed a little bit because uh, Ryan Roybal is Saupa, so I need to be prepared for that. His, that stance is weird, you know. I, I never fought against uh, Saupa before, so I need to stay focused on that. I mean, rankings-wise, I'm, I'm sure you'd prefer the Perez fight because now he's fighting for the title. So I understand where you come from there. For, from like a competitive standpoint, which fight is better in your opinion, you versus Alex or you versus Royval? Uh, obviously, it's, it's against Alex Perez. It's a, it's a better fight, you know? But I need to win this fight. I mean, all, all the fights are very hard. All the fighters are tough in this point, you know, all, all the guys from the UFC are very tough opponents. But in this moment, I, I have a lot of the line, you know, I need to beat Brandon Royval. He's, he's amazing. He's in this moment. He's motivated. But, man, I'm motivated too. I actually, last, I had my third daughter two weeks ago. Right now, my family is complete. So I need to fight for for them, you know. Well, congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Have Thank you been you able so to much. sleep? Have you been able to sleep at all? Uh, no, no, no. Actually, uh, my wife helped me too much with that part because sometimes, you know, three a.m., four a.m., my my daughter start to cry, and my wife take the the moment for me, just for the for the training camp. Oh, that's very that's very nice of her. That's got to be a that's got to be nice and refreshing, a little freeing in a way that you get your, your wife coming through and giving you a couple extra hours of shut eye during these times. The thing is, after the fight, you know, you need to pay for all that uh, for all that moment. So I'm scared, but I'm fine. I'm ready. <laughs> I can totally understand. <laughs> yes, I understand where you're coming from. There's no doubt about that. So this is it. So the family is complete. This is no more, no more, no more little Morenos running around after this. I I don't think so, bro. I try to make my my boy, but I, I I can't make boys. You know, I have three daughters. You know, six, two, and this new one. All daughters, all girls, and it's fine for me. I love it. They're going to be looking for your guidance all along the way. So you're in, you're in a good position. I'm prepared for kick, kick some ass <laughs> of, all, of other guys. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, I look like a nice guy, but I'm, I'm crazy in my mind. So well, I'm be sure, careful, guys. <laughs> well, I'm sure your reputation will, will follow them throughout school. They're going to be like, oh, Moreno. And then they're going to find out that you're their dad. So they, they might have a hard time. Once They might have a hard time getting dates to the prom, man. I know, bro. No, it's it's amazing. I love I I love this this moment, but I need to be ready. I need to win the title, change my life, change the life of my of my family, and you know this moment is important. Is this the kind of fight on a card like this? I mean, you said that you have to win this fight. It's it's pivotal that you win. But is a win enough here? Do you need to go out there and make a statement on this card, or is just getting your hand raised enough for you? Man, of course, and I think the style 
of Brandon Roybal is perfect for me because he's brave. He tried to to go forward. He tried to to push the fight. You know, for example, my last fight against uh, Formiga, I think the the styles of him and, and I are different, and I can show all my all my stuff. You know, but. Right now, with Brandon Royal, it's different. I think his style helps me too much to show a little bit more of of my new skills, you know, with my striking, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu even. I know he's really good, but you you can't forget I have 10 submissions in all my career, so he needs to be careful too. So you think your jiu-jitsu is better than his? Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out, right? I don't know. Maybe. Yes, we need to. Sh- I need to show something that fight in that fight. Who do you who do you think wins between Figueiredo and Perez? Like who who do you think wins that fight? Oh, tough matchup. Um, I actually my 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 coach, uh, Sam uh, Alex Perez in in some event here in Mexico in Mexico in Monterrey, and he's. Like, hey man, Alex Perry, he's big. He looks like a, I don't know, like a bantamweight. So um, I think the power of Figueiredo can make the difference in this fight, but uh, he needs to be careful of Alex Perez because he's powerful too. Are you going to be working at all? for any of these upcoming events? Because like you said, you, you do work for the Spanish broadcast covering these events and being an yes. analyst and stuff. Are you still going to be working in that capacity or are they giving you time off until your fight happens? Uh, my last event is in October 30, 31st, I think so. So after that, I don't have more work just to stay focused on my fight. Oh, so you'll be working for Habib versus Justin Gaethje then? I'm excited. No, I think it's it's a, a event of uh, between uh, Raya, Raya Hall and Anderson. Uh, Anderson Silva. Yes. So that's the last one. So I'm. You know, I like to ask you about these fights because of what you do and how intelligent you are in breaking these down. But I know you're you don't love doing these on these podcasts because when you're on the broadcast, you can speak in Spanish and it's easier for you. But I have to ask you about Habib versus Gaethje. It's just a ridiculous fight, Brandon. I'm trying to ask everybody <laughs> about this one. Who do you like in that one? No, and if you ask me in Spanish, I can say a little, uh, a lot of more stuff, you know. But it's fine. I love it. I need to, I need to practice my English a little bit more. So, man, I think the power of Justin Gaethje problems for Habib, and but you know, I think the is the the question here is if. Justin Gaethje can't stop the wrestling of Khabib, you know. Always uh, talk, you know. Maybe this guy is the is the guy can be uh, Khabib, you know. Um, you know, talking about Dustin Poirier, talking about uh, Conor McGregor, even. But I think Justin Gaethje is the first one who's, who can the necessary skills to stop uh, all the weapons of uh, Khabib. You know, the, in the octagon, in the octagon, everything is different, and everything can change. I think the 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 fight is for Habib, but I'm 
I go with my heart and I go for Justin Gage. Oh man, it's funny. Like almost every fighter I've asked, I'll think Gaethje's just crazy enough to be the one to do it. Man, it's it's crazy. Not not love uh, Justin Gaethje. I know. I think his attitude, his uh, fighting style is amazing. I'm his. I'm, to be honest, I'm his fan. He's amazing. And then about a month after that fight happens, you're gonna fight Brandon Royval. Huge night for the flyweight division. How do you get this thing done? How do how do you get your hand raised? Man, I'll, I'll win the fight. I'll take the next fight for the title. I'll change the life of my all my family. Man, it's not just my family. I think it's just it's all my country, you know? The first Mexican fighter who take the the cha- one cha- one championship of, of UFC, I think the country makes crazy of the, in that moment. I'm ready. I'm ready to that fight. I'm ready. I know Brandon Rebel is motivated, but man, I'm a crazy dog right now. You need to see my fight, my fights, and I'm different. And I'm excited. And right, and right now I start to feel uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, you get the, you get that look in your eye. Last thing before we let you go, I saw on your Instagram. I didn't get a chance to look at it, but you posted a photo of a toy that you got from the New York Comic Con. What did you get? Uh, Jimmy Cricket is my first oh, one. Cricket. Yeah, I love it. I love Pinocho. But yeah, in this this year, you know, all the pandemic makes everything so hard. So, for example, the last uh, convention, you know, the San Diego Comic Con, they sell all the the Funko Pops online, and it's too hard to get some something. So you need to sell from other guys in in social media, for example, in Facebook, uh, and it's, it's the same for this New York Comic Con. So I had the first one. I tried to get a little bit more uh, different Funko Pops. So I'm ready. You got um, it done. I almost had my first uh, 100 Funko Pops. So I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> four more. Four more. <laughs> there you go, man. Brandon, you are the man. I think you're handling the position you so you're much. in. Appreciate it. I think you're handling this all in stride. I know it can't be easy, but you're handling it all like a champion, man. Like like a man who is destined to become a champion, which is not surprising at all. So I, I appreciate the time as always. All the best to you for the rest of this camp and in the fight with Brandon Royval on November 21st, man. Man, really appreciate it. Thank you so much again for the space. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, bro. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.